Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, where each week Jonathan and his co-host interview the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning, and online marketing. Jonathan, take it away. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. This is episode 465. It's our roundtable show. We called this live at 8.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time every Friday. If you want to watch it and join us live, you can go to the WP Tonic Facebook page. Um, you see even the bits that we don't want you to see, probably, but we don't care. Um, I've got a small panel, but a powerful panel. Uh, um, we've had some skivers lately, but I'm sure later on in the month we'll have the full class. I've sent out letters to all those that have not been attending the um, school, and um, I think they've got the message. Uh, um, so I'm going to let my panel introduce themselves. Uncle Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, for those who don't know, I am Jonathan's long-lost uncle from Great Britain. I've lost the accent, but I haven't lost the love for Jonathan and the whole family. Thank you for having me. Yeah, your your cards to my sister are much appreciated. She's yes. she's, she's yeah. been a bit she's been a bit ill this week actually. We, uh, we, Ram, I've got uh, yeah, we've got Vito with us as well. Vito, would you quickly like to introduce yourself to the listeners of yours? Yeah. Uh, so I'm Vito. I'm the founder of WP Feedback, which is a communication platform for WordPress professionals. Yeah, he's been telling us that his empire is expanding in Asia, all over the place. Yeah. Very, very <laughs> impressed. And I've got my long-term friend, Sally. Sally, would you like to introduce yourself? Certainly. I am Sally Getch, the WP fangirl, organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup in Oakland, California. And before we go into our main stories, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, which is WP Feedback. Uh, um, WP Feedback, if you've ever been in that horrible loop of non-communication with clients or they've sent you emails that you can't find, you know, it's the typical setup when dealing with multiple clients. You need a more organised system and this is what WP Feedback offers. Been trying myself. I'm going to delve in even more this weekend. Uh, um, and it's a fantastic product. They've also offered a, a great coupon offer to you listeners and viewers of the WP Tonic Show. If you go to their website and you use the coupon code WP Tonic Rocks, I repeat that, WP Tonic Rocks, you'll get 25% of any of their plans and that's fantastic um let's go into the main um stories of the week then that i found um disrupt wordpress um an interesting article what did you think of this one sally well i've seen a few things along this line uh, before but it made uh, uh, you know it made sense to me it says you know basically the the subheading sums it up pretty well. If WordPress does not self-disrupt, it will be disrupted by external forces. And it starts out basically saying, so like everybody has spent all this time setting up their workflows with WordPress and the way they do things. And like, why change this and and cause everybody so much trouble by doing this, you know, Gutenberg thing. Um, and uh <clears throat> that, you know, the response to that is basically, if you don't like change, you will like irrelevance even less. Uh, and <clears throat> so this is a, 
you know, and is, is talking about the fact that, well, yeah, if you don't, you know, if you don't change what you do, someone will come along and find a different way to do it. That this is, uh, you know, appeared across industries. We've seen it with, you know, Airbnb and with Uber and <clears throat> so on. And that, you know, there are other tools for building websites out there. And, uh, you know, although their market share is not enormous now, it is growing. And, hey. <clears throat> So, uh, you know, doing something different is important. Uh, you know, people may argue over what's being done, you know, whether what's being done is uh, the right thing. Um, but, uh, it, you know, that uh, there does need to be some kind of, of change, that there continually needs to be some kind of, of you know, change and, and evolution uh, seems pretty inarguable. So what, Spencer, the king decided that things had to be disrupted. That's the basic message, isn't it? <laughs> well, to the credit of the author, uh, I think this is Mark Urain, right? It's his website. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the idea was his premise I agree with, which was it's disruptive, but it's disruptive like somebody bringing a bottle full of bumblebees to a picnic. Uh, <laughs> it, it's not productively disruptive. It's run. <laughs> <laughs> I, the last I checked, the uh, plug-in for Classic Editor was at over 5 million reported. <laughs> and growing. Well, so, you know, I, ins- uh, I install it on websites and I use Gutenberg for almost everything, but there are times when you want it, uh, want it available. Um, the, the, thing, the thing I want to comment on, and I'll be less funny, and well, maybe less sarcastic. See the no, please, please don't. <laughs> the fundamentals of how Gutenberg does stuff, I'm okay with. The problem, and we saw how this went down, and this is what I'll comment on because this is what's wrong with WordPress yeah. in general. Is right now, if I spent, maybe I should just do this, but I've I've already taken on all kinds of other tests that, like you know, to solve WordPress's problem. If if I sat down right now, I could write some CSS that would take what's there now. And just make it more obviously similar to what the classic is. Because the thing itself, functionally, is okay. The problem is the interface is so horrible. Like, why by default is there 80 pixels of padding around the main editor? And why is the title in 900 pixel size? And why is everything... You've got to make it obvious. you got to make it obvious to them. 900 pixels should make it obvious, shouldn't it? It's a cognitive dissonance problem. It's not a how do I use the remote. I've had it for donkeys years. It's never stopped me. I, so, I, well, no, the padding point is is true, and I think it's meant to like make sure there's space for grab handles. But it does confuse the heck out of people because then they're like, oh, on the front end, it looks really different from how it looks here. The, the yeah. other part is like, okay, so here's like a little remote control for a Roku TV. You know, other than these little handy buttons, you know what I love about this? I have handed this to my 75-year-old mother, and she's been able to do it. Mm-hmm. Versus, you know, those old Sonys with a million buttons. The problem is, whoever designed the idea of taking the, we know what Classic does and where the stuff is, and just in plain view, hiding what all of those things do. If they would just fix that, everything else about Gutenberg is fine. It's just, I can't even now figure out what the hell is inside of that <laughs> big white block. And why are these like, magic buttons on the top? Why do I have to have three choices? Like, for fuck's sake, just fix that and the rest of it is fine. 
That's it. That's my rant. Because otherwise, uh, the block part and the building stuff for the block, I mean, all that disruption, that makes total sense. We needed something new there to get rid of the, the, the other ways of doing it. But that interface is just immediately, I cannot deal with that. And somebody could fix that in one day. He's a, he's a little bit grumpy, listeners and viewers. He had to leave. He's got a point. I've only taken the mickey. As much as I like uh, Gutenberg, he does have a I'm, point. I'm one yeah. of the five million people who just put in the plug and that just pretends Gutenberg isn't there. That's all. I'm not grumpy at all. Well, that, that I think is happening because people are used to doing something. So like we said at the beginning, they have, like uh, you said, Sally, they already have their workflows and the way of doing things within WordPress. So that's kind of like just a, a more, more distraction than actual help for us. Um, but that's, I think, is their way of dealing with uh, the disruption that uh, we're talking about in this article, like uh, elevating the UI to something that is a little more modern I agree with the padding and I, I still I still have like I still take me like a minute and a half to find where the URL is to visit the actual page. Uh, it used to be like visit page and now you gotta click the title and then it shows to you and all and, these um, you, now if you if you click on the thing that says document instead of block, it right, will show you the, the right. URL and, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. But yes, Spencer is right. It, there are things that used to be easy to find that are harder to find. Yeah. Uh, uh, sure, what's the positive thing about this, um, Sally? I'm sure automatic, a thousand plus people organization must have some really good UX designers somewhere, right. stashed somewhere in the cabinet somewhere, which they can dust off and promote as head of design. You think they could have got that right, wouldn't you, Sally? Uh, I think, you know, I mean, the thing is that um, super simple-looking interfaces are, you know, when when Apple, like, came out with the iPod and there was just this one and little little control on it, like, everybody somehow wants to make things that have almost no visible interface in our, but the, the thing is, it's really hard to do that well and sure. actually make it work. I mean, oh, like no, there's, there's a reason airplane cockpits look like they do, you know, it, it, it is, there's not that much chaos because they enjoy chaos. It's because it's <coughs> actually a complex system. Uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll get uh, used to it, but it, it would be nice if, if some things were, um, Made a little more obvious. I was just, I was just thinking about that remark. You know, they must have had a UX designer, but I'd imagine when it when about a year and a half ago, when things weren't going too well with Gutenberg, being sent to the Gutenberg project in automatic was like being a German soldier being told you've been sent to the Russian front. <laughs> Well, it does kind of put you in the line of fire. <laughs> Must do my duty, but I really want to go. Um, uh, Vito, got any, any remarks about this? Um, I, I agree with with sound like the padding and all this kind of stuff. But I do think that the WordPress does need a, sh- a bit of a shakeup. I, I feel that it's happening, uh, but because it's such a massive product uh, with such a massive market share, they can't be as agile as some of the smaller products that are out there. Uh, everything has to move slowly to make sure that they're not doing anything wrong. To I don't know, I think it's like seventy million websites or something like that. 
so um, yeah, so I get I get why this is happening, but this is a problem that uh, could happen. I see a lot of stuff, um, not specifically in the WordPress uh, core product. But uh, with how WordPress is is um, is handled, uh, how the community is handled, how the uh, add-ons are handled, all of these kind of stuff, that's gonna receive a massive disruption uh, uh, soon. Um, but um, but I do feel that that uh, uh, it is moving. You know, it's just moving pretty slowly, as you would expect from such a massive yeah. um, endeavor. Right. Yeah, I think I agree with you. On to story two. Um, website builders versus website consultants. I really like this one from WP Elevation. Um, Spencer, what did you think of this one? Yeah, uh, I love this article. I She's hit it spot on. But yeah. the takeaway from all this is, and this is like this is right up my alley. I mean, for the 13 plus years of WordPress, this is what I've been teaching people. That was my business originally, is that the beauty of how fast technology moves. We're all living it now. And I have the advantage of all the experience of knowing how to just, I was talking to Bob WP, Bob Dunn the other day, like older people in this community can sit on our rafts and float downstream because the faster the water moves, the more it will travel. And all along the way, there's new opportunities. My takeaway from her article is I love the fact that the page builders have come in because while it eliminated the whole thing I did at 1WDTV and First Web Designer, it created the whole new thing that I'm in today, which is now we've got Elementor and the Divi and all the other things to do that. So now people are focusing on, well, what to do with their business. And every new technology brings a hundred new things that people don't understand how to do, like Gutenberg. So you could be a Gutenberg consultant today and charge people for how to use the goddamn Gutenberg, whereas before your job was how to build an interface to, to do what Gutenberg does. And so her charging five grand, totally right on. I mean, there's no reason today, none whatsoever, to even attempt to charge people less than $2,500 to $5,000 for anything touching a website. Why? Because those people who will not pay $25 to $5,000 are the ones that should just be doing it themselves. Yeah. Go get some Lego blocks and do it yourself. Because the 99% of what you're going to do is knowing where to tap the hammer, not building the hammer or not making the tools. It's knowing after all these years, oh, if you start going in this direction, doing this stuff in a, a week or a month, you're going to regret it and have to start over again. I just saved you a thousand dollars. Yeah, actually, if you've got tons of bloody time to waste <laughs> on, on all these low, like, these page bills, these wicks or squit, whatever they want to call themselves, and they always say how easy it is. If you're dumb enough to fall into it, you'd be able to do it. But you know, but if you've got tons of time, get on with it. I think it's great. Vito, what do you reckon? Um, uh, first of all, I love what WP Elevation are doing with this thing. I took the course myself uh, when I first uh, started scaling from a freelancer to an agency, and it helped me a lot frame my mindset around moving from being a, a, um, a technician to being a business owner. And I think that this is like the, the I would say, the topic of this article as well, because the, the idea of charging $5,000 is not is not connected directly to the labor that was done uh, during the project. It's about, like Spencer saying, about the expertise and how, uh, how us, uh, with um, each one of us with more than a decade of experience doing this kind of stuff, can elevate someone's business online. Um, there's a lot of opportunities now that are happening when it comes to, uh, uh, to, uh, to creating the next step uh, 
So once you have that website, now what? You know, how, let's build the content strategy. Let's build the uh, the the, the uh, go to market strategy. Let's see how we can increase more traffic, more leads, more all of these kind of stuff to help people actually grow their business instead of just giving them a website. More than that, now with, with page builders, and I saw there was another article that's going to touch uh, this subject a little bit of what's coming next, you know. Uh, page, page builders is now part of our day-to-day life. Um, it's hard to imagine how to do things, uh, um, how we did things b- before them. You, st- you know, we still write HTML and CSS sometimes, but 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 that's like the, uh, you, you try to avoid it in most cases because you can do it really easily with page builders. Well, you know, Which means that like it's going to, um, the way I see it, the, we're going to see a lot more WASs coming into the game uh, in the upcoming years, uh, this year and uh, and the upcoming years. Which uh, So all of these clients that are below two two and a half k 3K, you know, uh, that needs a solution, they will have weeks or Squarespace or any of these niched based WASs that are emerging now within WordPress are paid on a small monthly amount and you're good. You have a website. Hmm. Now what? Now you need a consultant that you will pay $5,000 for to actually tell you what to do with this platform that you have. Yeah, I totally agree with you. In my own agency, we use Elementor, but we use it as a rapid production tool, a rapid prototyping tool. And then we use... Um, uh, then we tighten it down to the specific areas where the client really does need changes. Because if you let them, if you let them wild on a full animator, you know it's just going to be ugly and messy. So you got to sure. lock it down. There uh, is a really good solution for this, actually, with the front end editor uh, for Elementor for all kinds of these uh, page builders. I don't remember the uh, the name of it. I know there's a few of them. One by uh, Was Pro by Michael Short. Uh, that basically. Uh, you block the access to edit with Elementor, you know, like that little button. Uh, so the clients have no no way of actually moving the layout around or removing the images and so on. But they can still click any any text block within the page, any text element within the page, and edit it just from the front end. So you just click and you edit it like Word, if you will. Um, it, that's a much better experience uh, uh, in my mind than using Gutenberg. Uh, and it solves our problem as web designers that we don't want to give access to the client to wreck the website as they always do. Um, excuse me, but whose website is that? What? Whose website that does that? Uh, no. It's a plugin. It's the client's website. Ah, right. right. Yeah, but it, it is. True, but... They are actually entitled to wreck it as much as it pains us. Yeah. And then they can pay us extra money to fix what they <laughs> screwed up. That, that's true. But, you know, like uh, um, just blocking them out of it is something that you see in a lot of different industries. Well, they're normally you, actually. Um, they, or sadly, just they, making it harder. Just, you know, yeah. when you buy a computer, <clears> you put like, these bolts on it. So you got to use a screwdriver to make that decision that you're actually opening the device and messing with things inside. Mate, well, oh, yes. Well, I mean, I, I agree with, with limiting the number of, of people who have the power to do that. That's like why you recommend mm-hmm. that folks get, you know, giving people editors accounts and so on but ultimately the client you know somebody in the client's company should have full access to everything in case you get hit by a truck yeah true um but normally um they normally the way we we do it is the way spencer um um, i was having a chat with spencer and and he brought this up and it's exactly the same way we do it because we use acf advanced custom fields with animator 
So we use it as a rapid prototype. And then, because normally the clients come and say, well, we, you know, we don't want to have access to all these. These are the bits. And we want a really easy interface so we can change these. These are the bits that we want to change regularly. And then if that changes, we get we get you or whoever, you know, who's responsible to add additional functionality. And they normally ask for it because they, 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 they're overwhelmed with something like Elevator, aren't they, Spencer? Well, one of the reasons that this becomes part of the stack that you and I did share, and this is how... I really think it's smart for everybody, both the development side and the people building the sites, as well as the end users. By separating the data layer and the editorial process from the front design layer, they, as a, a site owner, they can break it all they want, like Sally says, they can have some kids or designer folks do all kinds of designs on the front end. As long as the, let's say I'm going to say Elementor, but your page builder, the, as long as the page builder modules or widgets have the dynamic connection to the data, they can do anything they want. They can change the color, move it around, delete it, and it doesn't break anything because they have a saved copy of the original template. The template's dynamically connected. Compare that to the original way that when the page builders came out, everybody made the layout with the data in it. And then some kid comes in with their design ideas, didn't realize like there was some handcrafted copy in there deleted the copy, it was lost forever, and everybody's in a shambles. So by separating the front-end display from the back-end data, and then on the back-end, we add the ACF with a custom post editor, which means that it relieves the tension of that person you hire to do copywriting, because now they come in and they just have a, when I was a kid called Mad Libs, just a form. It's like, I need a noun, I need a verb, you know, I need the title, of the make and model of the car. They just fill in the fields, and they can take a ton of data, put it in, and that's all separated from them. So now the site owner has the keys to all the data and the core of the templates, but the two people working on the site don't mess each other up. Ta-da. That's a great Which, which is great, great except when it's not. Well, I don't know when it's not. It's just a matter of architecting it that way because if you don't start with that, then you've got this hodgepodge of old and new, which we often have to fix. Like somebody migrates a site. It's from an earlier generation page builder, millions of short codes mixed up in the data and HTML markup. And it's like, oh, gee, for those people, we say those just get displayed in the old content area block. And then everything else is all, you know, with the new fields and the custom design. And don't do that again you know, and take away their... Yes. It's, well, it's, I mean, I've just been spending a lot of time converting a site that was built like that into Gutenberg. And this is partly because uh, they kept running into issues where, oh, well, this field is set up to be a link to another page on the site, but we realized we needed to be able to link to an external site. And then you have to call the developer to change that. And then you have to... And it, so it... it Clients are are actually very bad at predicting what they're going to need to do. And if they run into those bobbles, you know, once a month, a couple of times a year, having you fix them isn't... But when it's like every other day, they bump up against something else, they get annoyed with having to call somebody and arrange to have it fixed, especially if that's not, you know, if their agency doesn't have a quick turnaround on it. And so having the greater flexibility and the thing about um, block templates for custom post types is you can set it up so that the blocks are in there with instructions and demo uh, content so they know where to put things when they create, you know, a new conference page or, or a new whatever page. Yeah. But, you know, it's yeah, interesting. But the elephant, the elephant, sorry to interrupt, you know, you, 
any organ, any like we uh, e-commerce membership courses, any any web any website that's really making money, making money to allow people just to go on the live site and change things whenever they bloody want to. It's a crazy concept, but you. But when you try and go into organisation as a consultant or anything and instill some discipline about who's got administrative rights to this freaking thing, and secondly, we shouldn't be updating the live site, pressing plug-in buttons, doing anything. We really should be doing this on a staging site. And then yes, still, I mean, I, still, I will... Instilling some discipline into... I believe in discipline, listeners and viewers. Yeah, uh, I, um, I, I will say that with this client, um, they <laughs> almost never actually touch the site themselves. There's like me and two other people who ever do anything and the other person only has an editor account. Uh, so, you know, they understand it's a, it's a big complex thing and, and, you know, it needs to be it built properly and, and not just like random stuff added onto it. Uh, and I, I uh, but then, um, you know, they, they still need flexibility because, oh, well, not every case of this, you know, needs to have uh, all these things exactly like this. So, Vito, are you still in your rock and roll days or do you now believe in discipline to some degree? I believe, I very much believe, I always believed in discipline, especially during my rocking days. That's where you need the discipline the most because no one cares about music. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm, I'm all up for that, building systems and making sure that you train the client properly to make sure that uh, they know what to do. More importantly, know what not to touch. And that's linked to the five thousand dollars because it's not it's not only moving pixels. It's that, it's understanding what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing, isn't it? Exactly. Really. So it, it, it all comes together. We're going to go. So I'm dying quietly, listeners and viewers, um, or not quietly. Um, we're going to go fragile, for a, very fragile. Yes, I'm fragile. <laughs> uh, um, we're coming back um, after our break, listeners and viewers. See you soon. Are you a WordPress consultant, designer, or small digital agency owner? Then you need WPTonic as your trusted white-label developer partner for your next big e-learning or WooCommerce project. WPTonic has the knowledge to help you build out custom functionality that your clients need in LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and WooCommerce. WPTonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with a full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Find out how WP Tonic's white label services can help your agency today. Go to wp-tonic.com's homepage and book a free consultation with Jonathan. That's wp-tonic, just like the podcast. We're coming back. Got some more stories. But before that, I want to talk about one of my other sponsors, and that's Launch Flows. Now, what is Launch Flows? Well, basically, if you've got WooCommerce and you've got Alimator, and you want to build a professional, modern shopping cart experience, you need Launch Flows because Launch Flows puts WooCommerce 
around the shopping cart experience on steroids. And there's loads of customization if you want to do bumps, upsells, all the things that your client asks you to do can be a bit of a nightmare with your normal WooCommerce with a load of additional plugins. Well, you don't need that. You can just go to Launch Flows and let Uncle Spencer confuse you even more with his amazing videos and you'll be okay. So go over to launchflows.com and have a saunter and find out more about it. Now on to story three. Um, leaked documents expose secretive market of web browsing data. Why did you like this one, Sally? Uh, well, you know, we've talked a good deal about the surveillance economy. I'm shocked and horror there's a secret market for my data. I'm, I'm yes, so I'm, shocked. I'm, yes, oh, I'm not, I'm really. I, I, Right. Certainly by now, the existence of markets for our data should not be secret. Um, uh, the, the fact that uh, this, this particular um, uh, product uh, is, is a subsidiary of an antivirus company um, uh, uh, attributes a little, uh, uh, a little bit of irony since, um, yeah, it's, they're, they're actually not providing you as much security as you might have thought. Um, and uh, I, I saw something today that says Avast is going to be uh, getting rid of Jump Shot after this. It's like, yeah, well, you got caught now, you know, and that's really all you're sorry about. Um, mm. uh, but yeah, that is uh, uh, that is a lot of uh, uh, that is a lot of data. I mean, you know, uh, these stories are not a surprise anymore, but. Um, uh, clearly, Jumpshot was uh, not subtle in its advertising. Every search, every click, every buy on every site. Yay. Um, Be like, honey, really? They got sold. Who did they sell to? They got snapped. Oh, it was eBay, wasn't it? Snapped them up. Or PayPal snapped them up, wasn't it, honey? Those are the people who were like, discounts on everything? Yeah. Um, I think I think PayPal bought them out. Got, got a couple of million dollars. Well, you know... Well, well, the thing is, people are so blasé. This is, you know, I've been hammering away at it, and then certain parts of the media. But in general, I think the most of the population, Spencer, uh, uh, that's that's really the response, isn't it? It's really, it's really, it's really, um, it's like finding out our president has shagged another prostitute. Uh, you know, who cares, really? You know, I mean, this one, the two stories together, this and the Dorbo one. Um, I'm not a a proponent of more regulation in general, but I will say that the, the level of just absolute douchebaggery going on. It's amazing, point, isn't it? It's really, truly amazing, isn't it? I mean, we know about this across, I can extend this farther. Like we recently found out about Sergey or Larry's wife or whatever with 23andMe that was <laughs> selling your shit to the pharmaceutical companies. Like, Wow. That's talk about parasites. So, My God, these parasites. Well, appa- this apparently parasite. it's part, it, it is, you know, part of that, um, ter- the terms of service that people, have, of course, never <laughs> read that say, hey, we can use your blah, blah, blah. But yes. Let me address the, the terms of service. I can speak as an attorney, a trial attorney. The absolute douchebaggery 
of saying that you signed a terms of service that like with Apple and other things is 8 billion miles long, filled with all kinds of legalese and stuff nobody would ever read in a million years. Now, that's, that's when you need artificial intelligence to tell you what the yeah, fucking yeah. thing really means, don't you? You're also making <laughs> Yes, I mean, one, one sympathizes with the uh, argument behind creating the GDPR. Yes. Well, let me get to the, my point because my point, my point is there's not an option in any of these things with the terms of service to say, no, I don't agree to your terms of service, but I want your product anyway. Why so would the, there be? The, like, that's the terms of service. The, the point I'm saying He's got a point there. Listen, there's lots of ways that people have an option. Right now, you go to, I'm not saying this should be it, but I'm saying you go to some browsers with an ad blocker. It says, we really need your support. Would you please turn off the ad blocker? If you say no, a lot of those sites, the majority say, fine, just you can fine. keep yeah. And some of them refuse to let you go some on. Refuse, and it's super obnoxious. But it's super obvious which ones and why. So I'm saying to you, you get two companies. <coughs> we'll just combine the other stories maybe. Is that you've got the doorbell company and you've got the virus security company. I mean, it might as well be the people you're giving your proctological exam info to. It's everything about your personal life that you're trying to be protected from. They take your trust. They give you some, you know, legalese and then rely on it to say, oh, by the way, we were selling your shit all along. Ha ha, joke's on you. This is where the government really needs to do something to say. Just blank. No selling anybody's personal data, no collecting data, no selling it, nothing, without some method that we all can agree on that is just obvious. Like, I am going to take your data and sell it, yes or no. And if you don't agree to that simple legalese, like one sentence, fuck you, you can't, you know, you can still use my product, but you can't use our stuff. And if you can't survive as a business who does virus software and then sells your shit to other people... Like, if your virus software isn't good enough to sell because it's virus software, then you shouldn't be allowed to do that kind of a thing. Uh, with let me, can I, uh, so what, in general, like uh, from a consumer point of view, for sure, you know, like we can definitely agree that it's unethical and it's uh, it's not cool, you know, uh, that is, especially when it's sens- really, really sensitive information, like, your medical information and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, but that's, that's the stuff yeah. that's worth the money, Vita. Uh, or ex- <laughs> which is where I, this is the point I'm getting to. So, like, uh, as a company, as an antivirus company, for example, the, I don't know if you guys know, but uh, uh, over the next five years, data is going to be worth more than oil. Uh, in the kind of equivalent of, uh, of metrics of how you kind of like count that. So so people are mining this for the past 20 years, are mining data as much as they can in the same way during the gold rush, how they, they just all went out and tried to mine, the, uh, mine gold. Uh, this is, is going to be the currency of the future unless, or as we're seeing now over the past couple of years, past two years, uh, governments are starting to sober up and seeing like what's going on. They're creating a lot more complications than they're helping at this stage. But uh, you got to, you know, you got to break some eggs uh, to, to make that omelet. Uh, so hopefully in five or 10 years, this is going to kind of settle down and see because every uh, authority has their own rules that everyone on that kind of region needs to comply with, by. But also disregarding the fact that globalization it, it has happened. Uh, so, uh, so 
A guy that is browsing not to the mention website this in is Canada. the internet. Yeah, uh, exactly. So a, browser that is browsing, a guy that is browsing the internet in Canada or in California or Del- Delaware um, um, a, 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 is browsing like a UK-based uh, company's website or uh, Australian-based co- uh, company's website. They need to comply with Delaware's rules, which is that's kind of like completely crazy in my in my book as a business owner uh, needing to go about and trying to figure out what's happening in every single uh, jurisdiction small uh, small enough to be like a state you know not even in the level of country or continent uh, or something like that it doesn't, need to be like, it doesn't need to be that the difference that is important and though I don't disagree with your premise the difference is collecting data is different than Selling, selling the, the freaking sure. stuff, so, but but selling it, selling it is the product is the product of it. Yeah. The, what the that's not what was agreed to. That's the whole point I'm making, right. Vito. I'm saying, if you look at the automotive industry, you look at the pharmaceutical industry. Historically, these are great examples. We talked on another show ago about the automotive industry used to just do make anything they want. And if it turned out there was a design defect like the Ford Pinto, fuck it, we'll pay the dead people's families. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. We've, the, we've worked out. We've worked out. We saved money by just paying them out. You know? right. sure. yeah. be, at the turn of the century, there used to be all these cough syrups and all these other crazy remedies that guaranteed you could say anything you want because it had cocaine and codeine and all kinds of stuff. And then they oh, finally. If, got, only, if only we could go back to those days, Spencer. Right. <laughs> you, you, you would have made a great snake oil salesman. Well, I'm saying what has to happen. <laughs> You're talking about evil bees, Sally. Just, I'll, just, I'll leave you to determine. <laughs> Any of us. You can take the data for all the internal reasons that you need to for running your plugin. The line is very clearly, just because it's valuable for you to take my personal info that you collected for a completely different reason, That's you something, are yeah, I agree, I agree. ever allowed to sell it ever unless you give me a very simple, I would like to make money from selling your private data. Is that okay with you? Do you mind me sending it to the Russian governments, to pharmaceuticals and other horrible people? Please say yes, because we need to make money. Now, look, look, I agree with your point about like this, uh, a, you know, I, I can't see people actually doing a prompt, but maybe that's the rule that the government should have in the same way that you have the cookies consent uh, popping up on every website. The problem is that we'll all became, became blind of it, you know, like now you don't even think about the cookie. It's there. You click it and you consume whatever is happening inside that website. Uh, so that's what's going to happen if you're going to have this uh, selling information uh, uh, step. But wait, wait, so let me get, get the point across. So, yeah, but, but like, when you're looking back into like the history of, how, of, of data or how kind of like it was, uh, it was handled before the internet, it was still being sold. It, it, the fact that now there's, there's these mega companies that, that, that are like global uh, uh, structures, you know, that's just brought the same practices that used to happen before. You could easily buy email lists or uh, or people's addresses with their name. You could you could call up someone and just ask for something. But now it's just like massively scaled up. So we're starting to become more kind of aware of these things. But there's nothing, nothing is new. People have been selling uh, uh, emails and phone numbers. No, uh, for, I see where you're coming decades. from, but I think this is getting to scale because I was reading and also listened to where they tracked some serial um, killers and they, they, um, some of their family, not them themselves, but some of their family had shared their DNA on a website 
that um, that's accessed by anybody. And if you've got close relatives and they get some of your DNA, a little bit of it, then they they can zero down on you. And the authorities manage some some police officer, you know, he must be be, uh, into all this. He worked out that, oh, this is going to be a good way of uh, cracking this. Uh, so th- I mean, my my understanding was that that the police actually went to <coughs> people like Twenty um, Three and Me and asked about uh, DNA, or or the those companies went to the you know went to the police and offered to offered to help in some way. Um, but uh, yeah, and you think, well, um, you know, that's that gets to be very uh, confusing because. You know, they weren't using specifically your data, but the way genetics work is that if, you know, if your relative has, you know, said, oh, sure, I'd like to help the police, um, you know, you have absolutely no control over that. Sure. Yeah, there we go. There we are. There. Well, on to the next story. I'm going to swap them around because I think it's uh, we need another WordPress kind of story after that. So let's go to um, Word. 12 WordPress web design trends for 2020 you should not miss out on. And I just want to mark the talk, you know, unlike the tavern, the talk, I went, I don't often now go to the talk, but I went back a couple of days ago and they've had a bit of a redesign. I actually like it where the tavern, sorry, what a fuck up. I'm sorry. Uh, um, so what did you think of this one, um, Sally? Um, you know, I'm very uh, suspicious always of these, you know, trends you need to blah, 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 blah. I mean, you know, half of them are trends that were trends the previous year or two years or three years. And, well, and trends are trends. Right. Um, and take, they're not, they, they take time to focus, Sally. Right. And, and some of these are not... Um, uh, <clears throat> They're pretty weak. They're pretty weak. Well, yes, they're all rather anodyne, and some of them are not really what I would call design trends necessarily either. I mean, like, um, you know, uh, uh, blocks are obviously going to be a big thing, a continuing, increasingly big thing, and like, you know, nobody needed a crystal ball to see that, Um, and. Yet that's in a way more of an interface trend than a design trend because people are using the blocks to create the kinds of things that they were creating with the page builders before. Um, you know, uh, slimmer themes again. Uh, you know, you know more page builders. Uh, uh, stronger user focus. Blah 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 blah. But can we go to sleep now? Emphasis on accessibility. Well, yeah. If you want to avoid a lawsuit, I mean, I I think that's you know. And yet that's you know, is that a web design trend? Or is that a you know is, is that a, a UX trend or a, a trend of you know the return of mi- minimalism? When did minimalism go out of fashion? I got one got one question that came to mind as I, I was trawling through this um, animation because you know obviously I, I go back to my early days as a flash action scripter elevates and I want them to come back, Sally. I, I thought with the new um, versions of CSS, we might have, we might see more animation, but it hasn't really happened. Got any insights about that, Sally? Well, there are people who use CSS <coughs> for animation. Um, uh, you know, I've only done it to like the tiny extent of, you know, make the, make the, Point or rotate. Well, I, want those glory, I, want, I want those glories days back, Sally, when you had 30 seconds of animation before you could see you anything. 
That's actually one of the interesting uh, products that are going to be hopefully pushed into Elementor over the upcoming year, uh, where you can literally import an After Effects file and it's just going to run. Oh God. Oh yes, God. well, it's yes. I mean, oh just, just, just because you can doesn't mean you should. I think sure. it's partly that it's a little more complex to do it with CSS. Yeah. So you have to actually know some CSS um, and, oh, and, and, and spend some time on it. But also, I think that because people have come to understand a little more about UX and accessibility and so on, that the, oh, let's animate all the things is perhaps a somewhat less popular. Um, oh, I, I agree. I, I agree with like, uh, you know, less is more when it comes to this kind of stuff because you don't want to create too many distractions on the page. But it's a great tool to illustrate some things that uh, right now you need to either um, heavily code like CSS uh, uh, animations to um, to accomplish. Um, so there's two ways where what you're trying to achieve, Jonathan, is, is going into the market uh, one of them is already happening, which is SVG animations. There's a great platform uh, that allows you to literally animate stuff in there. Boom. Yeah, you guys, I remember you guys did um, yeah. the company, yeah. Uh, that was, a, I forgot the name of it now, but it was uh, it was uh, an awesome solution for this kind of stuff. You know, subtle things, you know, like have the guy move the hand a little bit when you hover over it, you know, like that's kind of a cool uh, interactive kind of stuff that can happen inside. Um the fact that after <coughs> going into the picture and you can actually embed uh, After Effects uh, um, animations inside the websites, that I think is going to like um, make this entire process very accessible because we see that video is becoming, uh, you know, over the past couple of years, very, very trendy. And people are, are using After Effects nowadays in the same way that we use uh, Photoshop very easily and, you know, very naturally. You jump in or Illustrator, you jump in and you create some kind of a small animation or, because people are already used to it by doing videos with, you know, like banners and stuff like that, logo reveals. So uh, I think it's only going to be nice. Um, but I can also see how, you know, like with Flash, people are just going to abuse the hell out of this. Uh, so never. we're going to have some uh, websites to make fun of uh, over no, the next three years. Never, never. A bit like your personal. What do you reckon, Spencer? Do you got any... Um, Got any insights about some trends in the next year? I was going to say, I thought number 13 was Flash and number 14 was avocado appliances and bell-bottom jeans. I'm wearing them right now. Please love. Please love. Oh, yeah. No, when bell-bottoms came back and the 90s, was like, go away, the 70s were bad enough the first time. That would have been awesome. I'll talk to you <laughs> Um, uh, the thing that I think about animations, which is true, is that if used with discretion, they're good. But just like slideshows, I'll bring slideshows up. Oh, yeah. Thankfully, not a trend. But what I ask people is, you've got a device that is vertically oriented for thumb scrolling or mouse scrolling. How long do you think somebody's going to stick around that one particular panel waiting for stuff to go sideways? It's like waiting at a stoplight while all the cars are just like looking at your watch. Like, okay, I got to go. So animation's kind of the same way. If it replaced a video that would otherwise be a big load time or would be a lot of things, you know, then I can see like this chair example. That's actually a pretty cool use. I can see the whole chair without having to fart around with the move of my finger. But for most people, they'll abuse it and it'll turn into Chinese restaurant menus like Flash was. And I'll have to wait nine minutes to see what, 
to order on the phone and, you know, it'll be abused, but then it'll settle down. You know, what's like that, which I'm glad is not a trend. Parallax. Parallax. I am so glad has finally died. I mean, it's officially. Parallax. What the hell was going Parallax. I'm not an old codger, but like, why do I need to see things randomly moving in and out of the screen? Cause I'm scrolling. And, you know, those kind of things are clever and they're very cool to watch, but they're not cool from a functional standpoint. And trying no, to make sure. Like, right. I mean, if you, if, you put, if you use animation or anything else, it, it should be to help people to draw attention to what you want people to, to see yes. and not to draw attention away from it. Away. And so often it's used in a way that it just distracts from the message right. uh, and, like, and the like action you want people to take. Like, like a lot of the page builders now have floating elements and stuff. And I mean, it's cool to have a background thing, but like, why do I need to see the, the person on the screen going like this? I don't know. It draws and attention <laughs> and uh, it creates a bit of engagement and it kind of like, uh, yeah. It right, makes, except for it all makes the, the poor people who have, you, you know, uh, are on the autism spectrum and, and it makes like totally crazy. <laughs> Maybe. That's the accessibility <laughs> point, <laughs> isn't <laughs> it? Right. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Maybe. Yeah. I just love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> See, this comes down to like the earlier comment we were talking about with the Gutenberg. See, I I feel like I've been around long enough to experience both sides of that damn kids and their rock and roll. When it comes to interfaces, we all started with the new, this is digital, it's so cool and new. And then the literal, remember with Steve Jobs, the icon, iconography was like literally a metaphor for the real thing. And everything was there to be seen. Nowadays, you got to be one of the cool kids to know that you got to use two fingers to swipe left and then do a J turn and move it over in order to change the channels. And we all feel isolated from that thinking like, why do I have to be on the inside to understand how to use the interface? These kinds of effects have that similar feeling, which is why does my business now have to think about all these crazy moving objects just to convey that we have a product to sell in order to compete with our competitor. And it causes a lot of anxiety because, hey, it's life. But I don't think the trend should be the de facto all the time. Maybe it does work sometimes, but not all the time. And a lot of these things come and go. And that's the thing. If you've been around long enough, you realize if you wait, like Parallax, it'll come, it'll go. And you just keep telling your clients, hang on, hold on, and eventually they'll forget about it. Right. I mean, the thing is, like, I don't care what's trendy. I want to know what's useful for my clients. Um, and, uh, yeah. They and it's like, parents. okay, so, so, so I'm the person who, like, has I've to go I've seen three times getting upset ask, now. Three times they are more artistic. He likes no, I mean, I like things to be, I like things I to be pretty. I like, I like, you know, <laughs> I, I like tell, to I find tell. out what's happening. But the bottom line is not, like, is this what everybody's doing and it's hot? It's, is this going to work for us? Now, I am the person who had to go ask my husband, how do I move the cursor on my cell phone? Um, because I had no freaking clue. I only got a smartphone that last mm -hmm. March for the first time. And uh, it, it's still kind of baffling sometimes. Certainly, everything baffles me. But there sure, guys. I'm sure he's still laughing <laughs> right now. Right, let's drop the last story. Let's go on to our recommendations of the week. And uh, my recommendation is a app called Your Mail. Now, um, if you got like multiple, you got like two businesses or two parts of your company, or you want to block call 
um, spam callers. It's got a number of really cool features and it really works as well. Um, it competes with products like Grand Central, Cricket and um, Phone.com. Unlike Phone.com, that never bloody works. Um, Grand Central, that's pretty expensive. This this you can get for around $13 a month and it really does the job if you're looking for those type of services. So go and have a look at it. Uh, I use it myself. Gosh, and Spend- I was annoyed that, that Nomo Robo wanted to charge me money for use on the cell phone. Um, sorry, sorry, what was that? I said I was annoyed that Nomo Robo wanted to charge me to use it on my cell phone when it's you know free to use on my landline. Well, yeah. right, there we go. Well, there's, there's a lot more to this product than I'm outlining. If you're looking for a more sophisticated answering phone system with loads of options and other cool features go over to your mail um spencer got anything you want to recommend and please panelists put put it into chat anything that you're recommending spencer uh, have you got anything you want to recommend uh, amelia which is a wp amelia.com i looked at it last week on the recommendation of a few people i'm a big calendly user i all my stuff is really basic right you just click a button go to calendly get my thing but this is an internal WordPress plugin. Extremely impressed at the level of sophistication, and it's only fifty nine bucks. So this is one of those rare times when I was expecting it'd be, you know, reasonably priced one hundred ninety nine, two ninety nine. It was fifty nine bucks. This seems like a no brainer. So I'm. Does it integrate with um, e commerce? Essentially, what it does is it allows you or a team to have a public-facing scheduled time with me or any of the people, and you can segment it based upon like different services, or you can keep it really flat and simple. The point is it allows clients to both book with you, pay you, and arrange the calendar. So like I have a typical day, six slots. People can go to my Calendly link and take a slot, and it automatically does the communication. Really handy for anybody who's a consultant, certainly for teams of people, and but I was just impressed, and I don't know how they're pulling it up, but like it's as little as 59 bucks. That just seems underpriced for what I found in the actual product, which is an extremely polished experience on the WordPress side. I mean, it doesn't feel like you're in WordPress when you're on their dashboard. So I would definitely check this out. Oh, sounds really interesting. Vito, got anything you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers? I do. Uh, first of all, I really, I'm looking at this uh, WP Amelia now. It's, it looks uh, really interesting. There's always, all people are always looking for a proper booking system uh, uh, in these uh, WordPress uh, groups. Uh, so that's, um, that's pretty cool to see. Uh, I wanted to recommend uh, uh, WP Swift Control. I don't know if you guys uh, saw this happening during the rounds over the past few weeks uh, by David, who did uh, Page Builder Framework. And a few other really cool plugins. Um, the idea is basically to control. You know, we we're talking about UI at the beginning of this uh, of this uh, session, uh, and how it's kind of like uh, fragmented. So, if the solution is not going to come from WordPress, it's going to come from us, from product makers in the space. And I think that this is a great, great solution to do that. Basically, it adds a sidebar uh, that is only available once you're logged in. It removes the top WordPress bar that is now very cluttered, uh, uh, you know, when you install some plugins and stuff. Um, it's more confusing than it helps. That's a, very, with- that's a very diplomatic way to say what a fuck up, isn't it? 
What? I use it all the time. <laughs> what, the, the top bar? The top yeah. Bar? Yeah, we use it, we use it uh, easily. But, you know, how many times did a client click the create a template with tool set instead of clicking edit page and then broke the entire page? Or uh, how many times they oh, click well, on edit page? Oh, well, that's what you for using tool set. Right. I love tool set. But, or uh, when they're using, uh, instead of clicking edit page, instead of edit with Elementor or edit with Pivot Builder and all of this kind of stuff. Or maybe even giving them a click directly to their entries uh, so they always have quick access to that. So you can choose what's inside this little sidebar and create your own kind of like a little environments. Um, also, a cool thing is that it identifies the ba- the builder that you're using and adds it there automatically so people oh, can... Right. Uh, it uh, it does that. look really slick to be able to customize the, the admin to that degree. Oh, there's a pro, I think. How much does it cost? Yeah, there's, a, there's a bit of a pro there. Oh, see, there you go. It's not, it's not reason. It's not a... 48 bucks, that's not bad. By the way, yep. I just noticed on their website, when you come to it new, a very nice privacy preference for the cookies, right? Yes, Imagine yes. you did that when you go to the Avast website. By the way, I agree that you can sell my private data or not. I accept or not. That's all it takes. But like their website is very clean and it's very easy. I wouldn't, you can put your cookie, your GDPR, your I'll sell your shit all in one box. And that's how everybody can do it. Well, I mean, I noticed on the uh, on the Vice page that had the article about Avast that that what popped up said basically gave you options of accept cookies and no, don't sell my data. Uh, and if you press no, don't sell my data, there's there's a like thing to toggle who you would or wouldn't um, share the data with. The home address of the CEO, so you can go get some relief because that's the other problem. These guys like never pay a price for doing anything wrong. All right, let's get back to the topic, can we? Um, Sally, uh, Rob, have you got anything you want to recommend to the listeners of yours? Uh, yes, I have a, a recommendation um, for those who do uh, design implementation. There's a really nice uh, article published recently about uh, the CSS cascade and how it actually works, which is something that uh, can be confusing uh, even to people who've worked with CSS for a long time. And this is like a, you know, a, a fairly nice one page, a uh, long page, but one page. With it, with a, a an interesting use of animation, so that as you <clears throat> scroll down the page, the little sidebar illustration, uh, 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 the person in the raft moves along the the, the waterfall, um, and, and so it it helps you, you know, kind of sums up, uh, why you know, like why why it is that I made this change to the CSS and it's not taking effect. Um, <laughs> Which baffles everyone once in a while. So I've I've put the link in the uh, in, in the chat here and also in the um, Slack. Truer words were never said, Sally. Truer words were never said. All right, thanks for those recommendations. I think we had some decent ones this week. Uh, even me produced a half decent one. Uh, um, there we go, Spencer. How can people find out more about you and what you are up to? Indeed, if you would like to build more powerful WooCommerce sales funnels, you can find me at launchflows.com. Well, it also does does your checkout page. You're getting close every week. You get closer. I'm getting close every week. (laughs) It's sales funnels. Otherwise, we're very good this week. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Do I get five stars or four? Or four and a half? Give him a bonus on the on next month. I don't want to. I don't want to do Nadia Comaneci on you and like tell you that you've already got a ten. I mean, then oh, we're. No, I've never got a ten in my life. Actually, uh, um, uh, I'm not going there. Uh, Vito, um, uh, how can people find out more about you and uh, what you are up to? 
so go visit wpfeedback.co. We just opened early access two days ago for something massive, massive that we've been working on for months and months and months. Uh, I'm going to be joining Jonathan and talk about this on the podcast a little bit. But uh, uh, if you want, already want to join the early access, instead of wpfeedback.co, type in my dot wpfeedback.co and uh, check out what's going on in there. I'm sure uh, um, it's going to be pretty surprising. Yeah, there we go. And Sally, Sally, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Well, if you can spell my name, you can find me. I'm unique in Google. Uh, I'm at wpfangirl.com and at eastbaywp.com and I am at Sally Gatch on most things. And if you really want to support the show, go to the WP Tonic website and join our email list. I'm going to be revamping um, how you can join the email list. And um, also the email itself is going to have contributions from the panel themselves. They probably didn't realise this, but I'm going to be pointing that you, out. You mentioned it once. Yes, you can. You, um, next month, if you send any articles panel that you want you have written yourself and you want to promote or anything you've seen that you think should be promoted, you, I will add it to the WP Tonic and you get a credit at the bottom as well with a little bio of yourself to encourage you to do that, panellists. Uh, um, so, listeners and viewers, I thought we did a really good show, actually. I enjoyed it and we'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.